couple of things I wanted to talk about, but they've escaped me already. <laughs> Maybe the idea that the way our mind is set up, we can't receive nothing. It's always made into something. Even if it has a strong, very strong uh, pulse of nothingness, it'll still, after a time, it'll made into something. Once it becomes something, it can't deliver what nothing can deliver, which is nothing. And that's really, for me, the answer. I mean, we've all had plenty of somethings in our lives. And if you add them all up, you could actually say they added up to nothing. So why not start at nothing? Why would you want to keep going down the same formula route with the hopes that someday something is going to work when all the somethings haven't seemingly worked so far? Why? Because there's such a uniqueness that something can be so unique from all the other somethings that it could be the one that works? That's just like ridiculous, isn't it? It's sort of like finding 800 broken eggs, but you think there's still going to be one that's not going to be broken. Yeah, I would just sort of give up the hunt, in a way. But how can you give up the hunt? The point is, you can't give up the hunt. That's sort of how it, it translates here as giving up the hunt. Is really an admittance, sort of like the admittance of the wisdom of no escape. You realize, it's not like you're, there's no escape from a place that you're bound in. There's really no escape because you're not bound, yeah? In other words, if you're not truly imprisoned, how could there ever be an escape? So the wisdom of no escape isn't that you just hunker down totally into your imprisonment. It's like you finally question, let's say, the imprisonment, and you see there is no prison. So that's the wisdom of no escape. The wisdom of applying no solution is that the problem's imaginary. Yeah? If the problem was imaginary... The highest form of wisdom was the refraining from uh, applying a solution. You'd be living in the solution then, yeah? If you didn't apply a solution to an imaginary problem, you would be in what you would call the solution, what we would call a solution here, yeah? It would have the meaning that we give the word solution. It would deliver that meaning, which we would feel free or relieved. But it wouldn't be a relief from anything. It would be a relief from the appearance of something in a sense, yeah? The the key word to me is the appearance, because if you were really where you think you were, you're fucked, basically. It's better just to have as much fun as you can, or whatever. And, you know, it's sort of like in recovery, it has a statement in AA, in the beginning of our, in the foreword of the big book, and it says, we were a hundred people who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Now, if it was a hopeless state of mind and body, yeah, then that would be no escape. But you would be totally in the hopelessness that that condition would produce, yeah? But the statement is that it's a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So a hopeless state of mind and body would be uh, hopeless, obviously. A place, an imprisonment that had no escape would be imprisonment, yeah? like an extreme level of imprisonment, because there'd be no escape from the imprisonment, yeah? But the word that they use in front of hopeless state of mind and body is seemingly, and seemingly means it appears to be true or false to you. 
So you are really the prison, in a sense. The mind is the prison, the prisoner. It's what sentenced the prisoner to the prison. It's the judge, it's the jury, it's the parole board, it's everything. It's playing all the roles that, that would comprise the sense of being in prison. Because obviously one of the big, biggest sufferings in being in prison is that incessant desire to get out of it when you're not going to get out of it. But a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body doesn't say it's hopeless. It says it appears to be hopeless to you or me. Yeah? That's the out there. If something appears to be hopeless, it isn't truly that. It just appears to be that. Yeah? So instead of trying to struggle and stop having it appear the way it's appearing, maybe look at what's giving it that meaning. Yeah? What's giving it the meaning of being real? Not struggle with it as something real and try to use like an unreal mental jitsu to make it unreal. That's just, to me, you're more suffering, I find. I find people more, they're suffering more mental anguish when they have the solution, but it's not translated. So they keep, they're trying to make, they're still trying to make something real with the idea that it's unreal. No, this is just seeing what's giving it the meaning. If that thing that's giving it the meaning isn't you, then all the rules of that meaning and the meaning giving is shifted. Yeah? Because the you is the axis of all of it. Yeah? The feeling of the you is what the mind is entertaining or giving meaning to things, but it's coming through a lens called self-centeredness. So all of the meaning it's giving is being dictated by the format it's moving through, which is a format of mind called self-centeredness. Yeah? So the mind has a center in its system, which is the sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. From there, all meaning is issued from somewhere else, but goes through that like sieve or that filter, and then that's the meaning that's given to things. So we're giving appearances the meaning of being real, and then we want, and once they become real to us, their effects are real. And those effects seem as real as hell, and we want relief from the effects, but we can't get relief from the effects by the dream object. Yeah, The dreamt tiger is never going to be free. The idea or the obsession or the fear of the dreamt tiger is never going to be lifted from the dreamt object. It's just if it's not the dreamt object, then the fear for the dreamt tiger has no relevance. Yeah, Because it's seen not to be real. Yes, And that's its solution. So it's about, instead of bringing it back to a way, is it an appearance or not? If it's an appearance, that's the way out, in a way. If it's real, get therapy, you know? Find skillful means. Try, if it's, if it's about, hey, it keeps popping up in all your affairs, limit your affairs. If you think you have free will, don't go out anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you get hurt every time you go to a party, stop going to parties. Yeah? You know what I mean? If you feel like you're unloved, well, hunker down and don't attempt to try to get any love. It doesn't work, does it? It's just more and more involvement in an imaginary activity. And the involvement is the stickiness. It's the glue. Yeah? The thoughts aren't gluing me to anything. It's the mind. The mind that the thoughts are held with. The idea of their my thoughts is what glues it. Yeah? This is the whole... This is it. This is, in a sense, the act, the active, the activity of the seeming problem and the activity of the solution. At the exact exact moment, this is it. Yeah. 
You can't escape your role in this place, yeah? But you can escape from the pseudo-character, the idea of being a you. But there's no escape from your role in it, because all things are being given meaning through where you seem to be, yeah? It's issuing forth from a mind, and you're that mind. One of the meanings that happens is that an object has been given the meaning that it's you, which is the biggest meaning you can give anything, isn't it? If you had a scale of importance to meanings, let's say people put God as the most important meaning, but you're above God as a self, because God's not going to be known through God, it's going to be known by you. So in a sense, in this hierarchy, you're the biggest God of all, the sense of being you. So now, all those meanings is being tinted or or, uh, distributed from that point of view of self-centeredness. So, just the feeling of okayness is now a goal to get. I will be okay after I finish this four-year program or something, you know? It's it's mind-boggling. Just a basic sense of onness is now now dismissed, and I'm going to get really on when I go to that retreat. I'm going to stand on my head for two hours, I'm not going to eat anything, and I'll feel freaking alive. Yet you're alive now. Why, aren't, why isn't that being felt? It is being felt, but it's not being uh, attended to. Because it's in this vacuum of time that it's more important now that I'm going to be okay later than it is to recognize the okayness of right now. Yeah. How would you want... Would you? If you could see the thought system as, let's say, a navigational system or like a guide, you would have <laughs> you would have fired that thing a long time ago. We're looking where it's it's led you. Yeah, it brings you. Oh, I've got the map of all maps to the to the well of the eternal spring, and you you get the it's incredible four thousand year old Tibetan pail, and you drop it down there with a woven by monk rope, and you pull it up, and there's still no water. <laughs> You know what I mean? And then immediately there's a denial of that, and then you're looking for another map to get to the better. Oh, there's a better spring. (laughs) That isn't the original one. There's one. Come, come. It's going to take lifetimes. Let's go. All right. What would be so potently in place to motivate such a reaction that the seeking is incessant, that it never seems to take a break? Even when it finds, it just maybe acknowledges that thing because it had such meaning for three years on the hunt. It may go, oh yeah, and then it's off again. Really? Has it ever landed and just say, okay, I'm just going to sit with this for a while. I'm not going to read Common Ground. I'm not going to look at the next, you know, who's going to be speaking at Spirit Rock. I'm just going to sit and see what happens. And then people will call me, hey, you know who's in town? Oh, you have a you have a ticket? No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to sit here. <laughs> it's like a wild horse ready to break out. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought I arrived three years. I spent three years there. I got the diploma. I'm now a baba baba ba, but it's still not translating. I gotta go to a super baba ba. I gotta take the master's degree of the baba ba. <laughs> what would happen if nothing was received? In a sense, nothing. And man, you cannot believe what nothing generates.
for me, it was like the last answer. Yeah, this little invitation. I mean, it's been pulsing. You don't need to polish it. You don't need to do anything, really. It's in and of itself on. Yeah, And then, in a sense, your little conditional mind either fits itself, fits itself around that circumstance or it tries really hard not to and gets to be defeated at every turn. Because nothing is the perfect... It's the perfect offense because there's no offense, yeah? It's totally nothing. Vulnerable, yeah? If you don't want to pay attention to it, it's far out. It's not, it's not calling anyone over. It's not drafting anybody. It's not... It doesn't have a conscription. It's just what is. It's just seeing. So I, you know... You know, people call and they, they've, they've entertained these possibilities. And then they, they talk about how they go into it and entertain it and they seem to always go out of it. But, and I keep, I, I attempt to share that that's just the movement of mind. The movement is I'm going into something and it has to have the opposite movement because of this dualistic little presentation that it's going to feel like it had a movement of going out of it. You're not that movement of mind. You're the seeing of that movement of mind. Yeah? What allows you to tell an incredible, clear, very aware story about your confusion? Yeah? What is it that allows you to describe your own confusion in such a clear way? Not the confusion, obviously, but the clarity of the seeing. That's what I am, is the seeing. Even of an extreme amount of confusion, there's still a clarity. It may be a little bit after the confusion seems to break. You may have, but you'll have an incredible description of what it was like to be confused. What brings you that? Does confusion bring you clarity? No. The seeing of the confusion. And as the confusion seems to be the dominant force of interest and attention, there's still the seeing of it. That's why it seems so painful. Because the seeing allows it to have a bite because that's awareness. That's the clarity. So the pain gets incredibly clear about confusion, which is super unclear. Yeah? But the pain of it is incredibly clear. It's incredibly sharp. It feels like, oh, yeah, I feel so disconnected, so unconscious. But the unconsciousness is so sharp, it must be brought to you from, by, from an incredible place of clarity to have it have be so sharp when you feel like you're not in it. The feeling like you're not in it is just a display of a mental movement. You are that clarity. So when your suffering seems to be so fucking real, what's bringing that to you? The clarity of mind, not the suffering. Yeah? If you did some drugs, then that suffering would be blunted. Yeah? The effects. So it's not the suffering, but the clarity of mind is what gives everything its flavor here. When something is really sharp and clear, it isn't because of you. It's the sharpness and clearness of mind, and that's always available at all times. It doesn't mean it's demonstrating at all times, but it's always available at all times, because any report about anything that has demonstrated, the clarity of that report is brought from there. It's the clarity of seeing. Yeah. It's there all the time. Why not, you know, 
it's sort of like we want to go back in a sense, but we get off at a we get off a stop away from it. You know, we get off at another local bus stop instead of going back to the station, yeah, where everything issues from. We still want to be special and feel like I'm really close to the station. You know what I mean? So we can still have a sense of being the one who's clear and the one who's confused. But you're neither of them. Yeah? You're never going to be the clarity like you are a person. Yeah? Being something that you're not has a different flavor than being what you are. Being what you are could look like to that desire to be something that you're not could look boring in a sense to it. Because you're already that. What can I do with this? How can I trump this up? How can I make this a little bit different? But being what you're not is a field day. You can be fucked Monday, great Tuesday, right? You can have a huge story of how it's always going to be terrible while life is blooming right around you and you just be walking through the fields of bliss and happiness, totally ignorant because you're stuck on one old idea. Nothing's ever going to work out for me. I mean, that's yeoman work. Yeah. I mean, the mind's like strutting its stuff. It can make mountains out of molehills. I mean, it's into it. But being what you are is totally different. Yeah. It could almost look like uh, boring because really nothing's happening. <laughs> you know, everything... The emphasis on all the different things gets overwhelmed by the sameness of what's seeing them all. Yeah? So getting really excited and getting really bummed out seems to go off your menu. You know? It's just like you can't even order those little mental desserts anymore. It just doesn't work. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have a certain sense of equanimity in a way. And it's not you having it, it's just the aspect of mind. Yeah? Once you have it, it's made into something. Yeah? Once, if you don't have it, then it's just what it is, when it is. But it doesn't mean that's what it is. It's not equanimity, it's clarity, it's seeing. Yeah? So what's moving in and moving out, what's getting confused, what's clear, which is a different, it's not, that's not the clarity, the clear. The clear and the, and the confusion as two sides of the same coin. We're still in that place of commerce. We're still trying to become and unbecome. Yeah. So we're trying to become more clear, less confused, this and that. There's still that that uh, the one dollar bill of all that marketing is you. You know, you're still the, the the picture on the you know on all the details. I'm close. I'm far. So all the different feelings. There's just the one you that has them. But there's never been a one that had any of it. Yeah. That's the wisdom of no escape. That's the solution to an imaginary problem. And it's the, the proof of it is right where you're sitting. Seeing precedes everything else here. Everything is brought to us. The deepest thing that we can reflect on is brought to us by the clarity of seeing. Nothing, nothing that's arising has been brought to us by anything other than the seeing of it. Yeah? The seeing of it is what is the is the is the the maker and the doer of what's arising. What's arising isn't producing a way of looking. The seeing is what is producing what's arising. And I know my own sense is nothing's gotten behind the scene. 
There's, and there's no seer behind it. It's not like a divine thing that I'm not is doing it. There's just seeing, and I'm an example of the seeing. So is everyone in this room. Yeah. We're appearing by the, by the grace of the seeing. All of this is. If something wasn't seen, it's an old philosophical conundrum. If, if you didn't hear the tree fall in the forest, did it ever fall? You know? If, if you didn't see something, it, is it, does it actually exist? Me and you are in complete cahoots with this, this experience here. In physics, they say the same thing. The biggest influence of any experiment is the observer of the experiment. Yeah? Not you, but mine. And then I would say even beyond, beyond mind, an aspect of mind of just seeing, yeah, just seeing. Then mind gets, and then there's the dance. Like in, in Chinese philosophy, they talk about the Wu or the energy, yeah. And then the Wu goes into a movement, a manifestation, yeah. And the manifestation they describe as Yin and Yang, yeah, like a little dance, the same energy, but now it's manifesting, so it's dancing. And if you ever see it, the yin symbol has a, a different color in it, like white and then black and then black and white. And the, the, the little dot represents its opposite, which is yang, yeah? So there's yin with a little bit of yang and, and yang with a little bit of yin. And if the yang goes to an extreme, it turns into yin. And if the yin, so it's just all one energy, yeah? And then they say, okay, the dance between these two aspects of energy produced the 10,000 things. And that was their symbol of everything, yeah? They would say the 10,000 things. That's it, a very simple, like, thumb sketch, thumbnail sketch of what's happening, yeah? So mind manifests, and it manifests in this little dance, like, represented by two serpents sometimes, whatever, you know? The serpent following the other serpent's tail, and this and that, yeah? And this dance produces everything. But what is the context of it all is the quality that we all have right now, which is we're on, seeing. And I would say nothing, 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 in time or out of time, appears before the seeing. That's it. If you take yourself back as far as you can, you're going to run into the seeing of the whole expedition. Yeah? Every step of trying to get back to what you call your authentic self will be viewed by the seeing... And every movement of the expedition, the information about that expedition will be brought to you by the seeing. And the seeing is what you're supposedly on the expedition to find, yet the whole expedition is being described and brought to your attention by the seeing of it. And yet we can't get that where the, where what we're looking for. <laughs> I mean, it's not it, it's not doing it. I mean, it's just seeing, it's plain as day, every day, yeah, that that's the case. It's not going, it's not hiding itself. Mind, yeah, the activity of mind has decided to sort of, I don't know what, decide to go, hey, I'm going to take myself to be this. And all right, this means there's that. All right, what would happen to this in a world of that? Well, it could not be loved ever. And so it just starts riffing like the greatest John Coltrane of all time because it's got an idea of separation. All right, what could happen if, if this impossibility of being separate was a possibility? Well, here we are. Unrequited love, tons of things, you know, yearning and longing, impatience, competition. I want to get there before you because then I'll have more of it, you know. This is all about nothing. 
I mean, you can't cut up and get a bigger piece of nothing than anyone else. But we want right, I, first. I gotta get first. I gotta. All right, I'm at the bar of nothing. I gotta get. All right, give me the biggest nothing you got. It's the same as everyone else. What? <laughs> but it doesn't. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't equate in a way because this thing cannot sit with seeing. It has to explain it as a seer, you know. And if it can't explain it as a seer, it's got to be totally obsessed with looking. So it it takes it. It's aware of the seeing or conscious of the seeing, and then it just doctors it up. It takes seeing and disguises it as a form of looking. So while we're seemingly looking all day. We're hiding the scene, yeah? Because every time the scene's being displayed, I have this feeling it's me that's doing it. I'm looking, yeah? So this becomes the precedent for the scene. So it says, don't put any God before God. Well, this is what selfing does. It puts itself before that, yeah? It puts itself in front and says, I'm doing the scene, yeah? And while... I'm doing the seeing, I'm going to put more attention on what's being seen. So I see all these ideas about confusion, and I'm going to make the confusion more real than the seeing of it. And my solution, or my escape from that inescapable seeming prison of confusion, is offered by the seeing of the prison, which is bringing, is that's what's giving it so much of a juiciness for feeling like you're in the prison, is the clarity of the seeing of it, Yeah? I mean, I've heard people describe their mental suffering so exquisitely, yeah, like a scalpel, you know, the sharpness, like HD, totally times 20, you know, everything in in high definition. What is that? It's the seeing, yeah, the seeing being hijacked by a form of looking called self-centeredness, and now we're giving everything we're looking at the meaning to affect us. So someone says something that in a way doesn't even it's not even a blunt object. It was really nothing it didn't mean anything. And you'll take it home and use it like a scalpel and create incision after incision in your head about fuck they don't like me. Oh no one likes me. Oh yeah. Just an insane sadistic operation on something that never even happened. You just took someone yawned and you think they, they're bored about you. And even if they are, who gives a fuck? But please, you go home and you've got to go over it. What's bringing, what's, what, what clarity illuminates that operation that every little cut feels so deep? It's fucking the scene. The clarity of this place, the awareness of this place is unbelievable. If you become aware of something that has a quote-unquote negative connotation, it can have a... a uh, a real deadening effect. You can be demoralized your whole rest of your fucking life here. Yeah? It's not the movie is so good, it's the audience. Really. The movie sort of sucks a lot of the time, but the audience is unbelievable. It can make a five-star Oscar-winning film out of nothing. That's why I don't see if this appearance, this dreamt object, has taken itself to be doing all the seeing. Obviously, when it hears about this idea, 
given a name, enlightenment, or awakening, or whatever other thing they want to call it, yeah? It now turns, or tries to turn, it looks, starts looking for the scene, which is the most incredible way not to get it, yeah? Because now you're busy looking for it. You know, like when you've lost something sometimes, the best thing to do is stop the search. You're really busy looking for it, you can't freaking find it. Then you just go, you're exhausted, you stop, and then it appears. It almost as if it would appear where you had looked like 20 times, and there's my keys. I mean, how did that happen? But the mind gave up or something, it stopped, that incessant searching, and there it was. You don't get it? Just because it's a little example doesn't mean the principle isn't the same. Yeah. The principle's the same. If you're busy looking, that's the highest form of blindness to it. If you can drop it. Because I know in my case, this mind gave a lot of high-level meaning to looking for the truth. It produced more excruciating suffering with looking for the truth than all the consequences I had getting loaded. Because at least I wasn't expecting much from getting loaded. But I was expecting a whole lot from the spiritual path. A huge amount of meaning. And a terrible disappointment. And a frustration. And an anger. And a competitiveness. And a, you know, a, with everything would come. Because it was a failed <laughs> approach for me. I don't know, maybe it works for you, but it didn't for me. And so when I, it's much better for me to look at like New York Yankee blogs, you know, or, you know, some sale at REI than it is to read a scripture. Fuck it, it's just, I mean, my mind can make an unbelievable situation out of some spiritual term. So for me, it's like the dog shit awareness, making it really ordinary allowed me access with it because I didn't really... You know, when the eye of Sauron was looking at, over the field of everything and looking for that, that little precious, what it thought was valuable, nothing was hiding right in plain sight. Hiding in plain sight. That mind's eye couldn't pick it up because it doesn't give any value to nothing. It can't see the advantage of nothing. It doesn't see how nothing is going to promote its, itself as a self. It just doesn't see it, Yeah. And even if it goes for it, it'll quickly find out nothing's not going to bring about extra, like, you know, little stripes on your jacket or another medal or anything like that. Yeah? It's going to bring you nothing, literally. And that's the gift that keeps on giving, really. <laughs> nothing just keeps on giving. <laughs> it just never, never ceases. <laughs> I've attempted to stay true to it all these years. Because most people have seen me for a while. No, I don't give anything. <laughs> they don't give me much either. <laughs> Which I like to change that aspect. <laughs> I think nothing's pretty valuable. But <laughs> but, uh, Sooner or later, I think it was Buddha that said, you know, you've got to be a light unto yourself. Yeah. Because I would say you are the light. The light of what? Awareness. Yeah. My whole day, all the suffering, all the joys brought to me by that one source. Everything, everything, everything issues from there. Without the seeing of it, what would it be? Yeah. So 
what's allowing that scene to happen? Happen, not me, not a divine you, or that it's seen. You know, it's sort of like, in a way, an alien thing. It doesn't come in the package that we, being so self-centered, we expect something to be a thing. You know, we always believe there must be a noun somewhere that someone must have something, but that's not the case. Yeah? I'm telling you, there's probably a lot of wisdom being given out at Sixth and Market right now from one drunk to another, literally. In a really quiet moment, they may be saying, hey, you're fucked, bro. And the other guy says, well, you are too. <laughs> yeah? I mean, and, it, and with the sense of all those experiences from the street, that would be an incredible, wise statement where it really is a sobering effect. That's what happened with me. When I saw that, I looked at that guy's face, and he had a big, bulbous nose and varicose veins, and my mind said, hey, this guy's a fucking bum. And then I, he was looking at me, and I, and I read in from his look that I was a bum. And that was one of the wisest things that ever happened to me, because my mind stopped, and this information came in, and I've been sober and clean ever since, from that moment. Yeah, I haven't picked up anything that she is. So, I mean, we were just two quote-unquote losers in a trailer in Calistoga, watching an Audie Murphy movie, drinking Royal Gate Vodka, yet... Probably the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life happened at that, that, that moment. And we were, neither of us were any fount of wisdom. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yet, something came through us, or this, or that, and uh, has had a huge impact on the action figure. So, yeah. That's it, eh? Yeah. Any questions, too? This is a short movie, a short video today, short and sweet. All right, well, we're going to pass the basket now. <laughs> I want you to take a picture of it now. A spiritual extortion tradition called recovery, called the serenity prayer. Do I keep doing hope? Keep doing hope?
alright then? The wee version of the serenity prayer. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Keep coming back before our steps. How's that Kuan Yin you got? Tonight, because I haven't downloaded uh, 